will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. Today, Junior? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary. Uh huh. What's your favorite scary? The price is wrong, bitch. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And this week, I am rejoined by my crew, by Leslie and Pat. Welcome back, guys. How's it feel to be back? Thanks. <laughs> uh, just as tired as ever at 9 a.m. Well, yeah, yeah, because you're a late bird. I've been up since like 3 o'clock in the morning. when you work nights. That's true. I have not had to work a night in a long time. And I know, Leslie, you're back kind of briefly because you're getting everything ready for your show, which do you have your launch date yet? Yes. January 4th is the officially official date, but December 31st, I'm going to start going ahead and throwing out some content for y'all. Awesome. I am. I am excited. I can't wait. Uh, I know we're audio only, but she currently has the the crew of the Orville in her background right now. (laughs) So I, I absolutely love that. And you, I know you're not a Star Trek fan, but you would probably actually like Orville. Is it a parody? Yes and no. Uh, I think, like, Leslie and I both would agree that it kind of started off a little rough, a little too, like, focused on the comedy, and then sometimes a little too focused on the drama. And then it found its balance, and it's actually better than any current Star Trek show. That's as much as we've liked. It really is. As much as we've liked Picard, like, it's. It's almost the true successor to Star Trek, but but still with a lot of good comedy. So, um, but that's not what we're talking about this week. This week we are talking about season two of The Mandalorian. We're going to talk about it in its entirety. Uh, so full spoiler warning. Uh, so if you haven't either watched any of the season or haven't watched the finale yet, um, please stop listening, go watch it, and then come back because we're going to be talking about everything, our speculations for where the show is going to go. Um, 
what we thought about certain characters showing up or, or plot points that we feel were resolved or weren't resolved and uh, ultimately the future of the show. So you've been warned. Uh, back out now again if you don't want anything spoiled. So the best way I think we're going to do this is we're going to kind of briefly talk about episode by episode, but not, you know, too in depth, nothing too crazy, because uh, I think we have a lot more to say overall of the season. I think we're going to have a lot of discussion and maybe debates, fist fights. I don't know. Can't pull out <laughs> Leslie's hair because, you know, she's remote. <laughs> so, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how this uh, all goes. But I could just hang up on you. That, that's that's true. You could always hang up, which would be kind of sad you know you hear a boop. <laughs> yeah if you hear a boop, uh that's yeah the computer didn't die leslie just decided to cut out on us um all right so we're just gonna go ahead and dive in so chapter nine the marshall season premiere actually the longest episode of the season as i as i realize it i was kind of thinking the finale would be a little bit longer but um i, I don't think it was too short but i i honestly thought the finale was gonna be longer now, this is a funny thing because I know I told Leslie about this, and I think I might have told you, but I'm not sure. As I was watching that episode, because I made sure to watch each episode as early as I could Friday morning because online has been horrible with spoilers all season. Uh, IGN's been horrible. The stupid We Got This Covered, any Star Wars fan page, they've all been horrible about spoilers. But as I was watching it and realizing that Mando was going back to Tatooine. I'm sitting there going, wow, wouldn't it be really cool if we got to see a crate dragon? And that's what the entire episode focused on. Um, so personally, I thought that this was a very good intro into the season. I think it set up a lot of good things. Um, we got, you know, more info on like trying to find the Jedi because we didn't know how long this you know journey was going to take for Mando to find the Jedi since obviously because of the Empire, we're very low on Jedi. There's only a handful out there. What, what happened? I don't know. Some, something like Order 66? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> COVID. COVID happened. Pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't wear their masks. That's what happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, they got the coof. Um, and what I did, one of the other things I did really like uh, was bringing back Amy Sedaris's character as kind of the the engineer kind of of the landing dock that he is because she's a very funny actress i mean i don't watch a whole lot of her stuff but anything i've seen her in she's really funny and uh because like her fawning over uh grogu and everything was just absolutely hilarious um but one thing i was not expecting was to really see fett's armor uh i knew when we saw um and i'm I, I, Timothy Oliphant is the is the actor. Uh, as soon as we saw um, Cobb Vanth, Cobb Vanth, yes, um, I I knew that it wasn't Fett, obviously, mm -hmm. in the army. Yeah, you can tell. But I did like uh, his interactions with Mando. He felt like kind of the a Western martial type character trying to do the best to protect his town. Like this is a very Western style episode mm -hmm. especially that standoff at the beginning yes. of them meeting and and uh 
he was in a show called Justified, and uh, I think it was also in Deadwood. Um, that was an FX show, right? Justified sure. was, and then Deadwood was HBO. And I can't remember, but the the Weequay, uh bartender was also in one of those shows. So it was a little mini reunion for them. Um, but I, I, I really did like their interactions and um, their scenes they shared together. And I... Uh, also had heard that Cobb was introduced in the Aftermath trilogy, which was, um, even though I don't like the guy, Chuck Wendig, it was kind of his trilogy book series that's kind of set right after Return of the Jedi to kind of fill in some of the stuff before the sequel trilogy. Um, so that's kind of cool that we get to see a character jumping from page to screen. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great dragon hunt. Um, and I think one other thing that they explored really well in this was getting the Tuscan Raiders to work with the miners. Um, because we, we've always seen Tuscans as kind of villains, Mm -hmm. um, but now kind of to get like metaphorical, they're the native Americans, you know, of, of, of Tatooine and the miners are the, the settlers and kind of this constant back and forth. Um, but that's overall i really enjoyed this episode i think it was a great start to the season um that's pretty much what i gotta say uh leslie pat whoever wants to go first Um, well i agree with pretty much everything you said that i was a good opener it was a nice to get back into it Mm -hmm. um oddly enough when i was talking to my dad about this episode his only complaint was that baby yoda wasn't using the force to like defend himself from I don't know, the crate dragon or so. I don't, I'm like, I guess they wanted him to see the using the force and continue using the force in every episode. And I'm like, dad, he's a baby. He doesn't know. <laughs> 50 year old. <laughs> he's <baby>. untrained. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Uh, and, and, um, I, I think you had mentioned this to me, but I, I'm not sure. The final shot with Boba, your parents who are, of course, aren't like, massive star wars fans they didn't understand the implication of that final shot right yeah they didn't know who he was until i told them because they're like my mom is probably as normie as you can get like and my dad really like had watched the originals and that was pretty much it watched the prequels with me because i was a kid you know went to the theater with me watched all the other stuff because I made him, (laughs) but but not really, you know, like intensely taking it in and memorizing all this useless information like I have. So they didn't really know who he was. They were just kind of like, Oh, there's that guy. And I said, no, that was Boba Fett. And And, uh, he was like, Oh, that's Boba. And I'm like, yeah, that's Boba Fett. My, and my initial also thought was this was probably all we were going to see of Fett. Like I, of course, you know, again, we're talking full spoilers here. I was not necessarily expecting Tamora to show up again as Fett, which was proven happily wrong <laughs> later on in the season. But Pat, what what thoughts did you have on this episode? Yeah, I think that this episode set up that kind of story arc mm-hmm. really well with him coming to get the armor back eventually and all that. But um, just one of the cool things that I thought that they did with this was the Tuscans using, like, real sign language. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people already picked up on that. Right. But having that be a 
just a cool little thing that they added in, kind of wrapped it up really nice. I will also um, say, because I know I pointed out kind of one little Easter egg to, to Leslie, and it's it's mi- it's minor, but it makes me super happy, because we got a few things. We had uh, Anakin's old engine from his pod racer be a speeder mm-hmm. bike. But, of course, everyone probably picked up on R5 being at the dock, but I don't know how many people, of course, now since there's been articles and stuff written on it, they're all probably aware. But there was the scorch mark around the spot where his motivator blew in A New Hope. And that's why, you know, Luke got R2 instead of R5. So I was like, oh, that's a nice little <laughs> minor, like, <laughs> detail Easter egg that, like, people looking for it uh, would, would catch. So, um, all right. So now I think we're going to... And I'm going to let Leslie start on talking about this episode, but we're going to move on to the second episode, Chapter 10, The Passenger. All right, Leslie, take it away. Take it away. Okay. This was the weakest episode. Why did you give we'll, it to me? Because <laughs> I, I knew we'd all agree, and uh, I don't want everyone <laughs> agreeing with me right away. <laughs> um. Now, to me, this episode would would have been fine if they had gone ahead and just let it be one super long episode with episode three. Um, I think they just didn't want to do that for whatever reason and tried to find a spot to cut it and cut it where they ended it. And that's that. And it just doesn't it, it's completely 100 percent filler. It's it's not bad to be your weakest episode. Like, it's not the worst piece of TV I've ever seen. Right. And, you know, it's still Mando, and there's still a cute baby Yoda, and he's eating those stupid eggs. <laughs> Which everyone has, or not everyone, but certain people have had issues with, saying he uh, started, like, mass genocide. But whatever. <laughs> Eat ten or so eggs. Yeah, yeah I, don't, was, I don't really... There were still plenty left. Yeah, I don't really know what else to say days. about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I agree. This was um, the weakest, but not, not in, like, anything with, like, cinematography or acting. It just mm-hmm. wasn't a strong story. Uh, it really was just a filler episode to get to episode three. Um, you know, it was... It was we need to give him a reason to be going to this planet to then have him run into the characters he runs into episode three. It was also nice to see um, Dave come back for a small cameo as the X-Wing pilot. And I felt like this was kind of the intent also of the episode was to kind of, you know, give you some connection with season one and the whole heist episode in that where, you know, they the guys got he locked them up on the cruiser and those uh, fighter pilots were the ones who blew up the base after Mando left. So I felt like that was just kind of trying to tie it, you know, together with the narrative and give us some really kind of cool space chase sequences. Uh, But, yeah, it just wasn't wasn't overly strong. Uh, I think it also didn't help that the character, of course, was only speaking in grunts, you know, basically, because it's a lizard frog person. But I did like um, she was savvy enough to hook up the old droid uh, and get, you know, communicate through that because Mando couldn't understand what she was saying. Um, but other than that, yeah, it was just like a if I were if I'm going back and watching the season over again, it's an episode I'm going to skip because it doesn't yeah. overall impact the the, the story. No, I, and I mean, they kind of just the destruction of the ship was like not really important either right eventually it gets fixed again and then, and then eventually, eventually 
and eventually he gets destroyed to <laughs> set to set up right. the bigger arc. Which was kind of a bittersweet moment where, like, I like the ship, but yeah. then I was like, ah, they destroyed it, but that's okay. Well, and it's been dismantled and, like, beaten up twice now in two seasons before getting destroyed, so it's like, how many more times can they repair this ship? Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, there's not really much to talk about this episode. I think it's the weakest uh, for a reason, and we've... There is oh uh, no, it's the next episode. Um, it kind of gives me uh, alien vibes with uh, the little squid thing that jumps on Baby Yoda's face. Uh, this look like a face hugger, but the, the little spider creatures. Well, no, no, no. It's uh, it's uh, in the uh, ne- yeah. it's from the soup yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the next episode. But talking of the next episode, the spider creatures though look like uh, the spiders that were in Rebels that Dave did in. I on believe that, planet. that they are also because I I remember seeing articles written about this. They are um, from also the Knights of the Old Republic video game, uh, or from the Codor uh, Knights of the Old Re- or okay Old Republic video game and then Knights of the Old Republic video games. Um, that they are creatures that are found there as well, um, uh-huh. which is you know again great callbacks to old EU or or old games. Um, but moving on to the next episode, which I think we'll have more to talk about on. Uh, chapter 11, The Heiress. And Pat, take us away on this one. All right. So after dropping off Frog Lady, uh, he ends up on this uh, fishing ship, and it's not looking too good for him. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, in come Bo-Katan and the crew. <sighs> uh, that was a big, like, <laughs> holy shit moment for me. I don't. I didn't think that I expected that. Oh, like, I certainly didn't. Like, it came out of nowhere almost. Um, but I like that it was... Like, the they did a very good job of keeping you guessing where the show's going to go. Yes. And I think this was the first... Well, other than seeing Boba Fett at the end of episode one, this was really the first surprise. Yeah. And I think... Overall, go them teaming up to kind of go on that, pretty much take over that ship mm-hmm. was huge. Like that's a not a small small mission, right? <laughs> and just getting to see them all in action was really cool. Yeah, it, it's also um, I think now this is one criticism I've I've seen, and I I can understand it, but I also I don't care. Um, is the age of Bo, um, because, you know, she's like, what, in her maybe 20s or 30s as of, you know, Clone Wars and, and Rebels. And so now we're so many more years later, like she doesn't look old, but you can kind of throw in speculation. Maybe she's Carbonite frozen herself for a few years or something, you know, until info on Gideon, like because we don't know. We know that there's a beef there from this episode. We know that that's how he got the Darksaber. At least that's what we think we know how he got the Darksaber. And we know she wants it back. Um, but maybe there's, you know, other reasons as to why this, why she looks normal. But I I was not really expecting her to show up. Because, like, this was, we knew Tamora Morrison was going to be, you know, coming up as Boba Fett. Like, that had been announced or leaked. We knew that... Um, Rosario Dawson was going to be showing up as Ahsoka at some point in the season, either for minor screen time or major screen time. But no one, I didn't hear anyone reporting on Katie Sackhoff 
joining the show. So it truly was one of those surprise moments when she takes off her helmet and you're like, holy shit, it's Bo. Like, that's huge. And they did a great job with the hair and the headband. Like, so they did a really good job emulating her appearance on Rebels and Clone Wars. Um, I also think that there was one thing that I, I really didn't like, and it's not anything from a story perspective or anything like that, but the um, the Mon Calamarians didn't look good. It looked re- like, I mean, I remember all these kind of like Star Wars fan films that were made in like the late 90s and early 2000s. I'd watch them online all the time. And they looked like it, it looked like that where it was costume level of like um, mask, whatever it's made out of. Uh, it, it didn't look convincing enough like we've seen the Mon Calamarians in other Star Wars features. I don't know if you guys picked up on that or not, but it just kind of it, it didn't look awful, but it didn't look great. Um but overall, the rest of this was a fantastic episode. I thought that it was great. Like as soon as she dropped Ahsoka's name, I was like, oh, man, like <laughs> this is actually coming sooner than I thought. Oh, man, this is going to be awesome. So, Leslie. Um, I agree with everything. No. <laughs> I I did really like this episode. I thought it was going to be Boba that showed up to save him once, you know, they tossed him into that thing with the monster that ate baby Yoda in the carrier or whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought who was going to show up. Boba was going to show up and, and get him out of it somehow. So as soon as I heard Katie Sackhoff's voice, I was like, Oh no, Dave <laughs> didn't do it. Did he? And then you you see the owl have the night owl helmet. And I'm like, Oh my God, he did it. And then Katie takes off the helmet and I'm like, Oh my God, Katie Sackhoff. <laughs> I was so excited. Just really happy. Especially cause you know that they had designed Bo to look like her just in right. case they ever wanted to do live action and if Katie would be willing to do it. So I was just really excited. This was another one that my parents had no idea who this character was. So um, when they happened to be in recently, I showed them the the ending of season seven of Clone Wars, just the Siege of Mandalore, just to give them a little bit of this is who that character is, just to, you know, so they could have a little bit of context right. and understand and also understand why she would know where Ahsoka was again, because Ahsoka features heavily in that. So I was I was just really pleased and excited with that. I was because in the trailers we had seen what's her name Sasha, Sasha Banks, Banks. Um, and people were speculating maybe that was Sabine so to see her there with as a night owl I'm like that's that's okay I kind of maybe wanted her to be Sabine a little bit just I don't know but I'm okay with her being a night owl I'm I'm happy with that yeah and I don't um I think that if we're going to see Sabine, we'll probably more likely see her in the announced Ahsoka series. And I, I'm like you said, I'm fine with that. One other thing um, before I lose it, and I think I just lost it. Um, oh, shoot. It was something. Catch that, it. We're going to talk about how it kind of how they explain the differences between the dip Mandalorian. You got it. I was exactly it. I was exactly it. such validation with that. I was like, okay, I got to make sure we talk about this point. And then as soon as I was like, oh, crap, I lost what I was going to say. Where he's from, like, that The super, Death Watch. Yeah, uh, the well, Rulit or religious cult sect of Mandalore. They weren't like the Death Watch because she just called them the Watch. So I assume that that's a sect that broke off from Death Watch. Uh, and she, of course, was former Death Watch. So it's it's 
but it was good because that was one thing um, that I know Leslie and I had conversations about. I don't know if we had conversations about it or talked about it in our prior reviews of season one, but it was like, well, wait a minute. We have these Mandalorians who take their helmets off and, and blah, blah, blah. Like Jane. Well, even though Django wasn't like a, a real Mandalorian, um, he would take his helmet off. We saw in Clone Wars and Rebels, Mandalorians taking their helmets off. So we didn't know like what they were doing when they were saying, oh, no, you can you, you are not Mandalorian if you don't take your helmet off. Mm-hmm. But what also this does very well with setting up is kind of a conflict resolution for Din later on when he's trying to find information and him balancing what it truly means to be a Mandalorian, which is where I really think season three will explore a lot of. But yes, that was great because I think a lot of people didn't understand. And I mean, rightfully so didn't understand why there was all of this sudden change in difference, you know, mm-hmm. with the helmet stuff. So that was, that yeah. was great. Um, any other final things we want to talk about this episode? I think I'm good on that one. Okay. Uh, so now the next episode, which uh, I think is also a very good one. Uh, and I knew, I think a lot of people were disappointed because Ahsoka's not in this episode. I think they automatically assumed Ahsoka was going to show up and instead we got Jean's guy. Um, but this is chapter 12, the siege. Um, this is him going back to Navarro to get his ship fixed. Uh, we get some really cute moments with Grogu at, uh, at school and <laughs> stealing cookies. Um, and then being like any child on a roller coaster, throwing those cookies up. Uh, but we get some really cool sequences. We get some, more backstory into why the remnant of the empire is going after Grogu, um, you know, with for his blood. And we see some kind of these deformed clones, which speculation on whether it's supposed to be Snoke or Palpatine. I'm more leaning towards these are failed clones of Palpatine. Um, I know that I think you and I talked about it or, or Leslie and I talked about it. The of course, it was the dark troopers in that final scene of the episode, whether or not he was trying to create like a force sensitive army. Mm-hmm. But we, of course, learn later that those are, are robots. Yeah. Um, but it's a great uh, reunion with Kara and with grief. Uh, even the uh, blue fish guy from episode <laughs> one, uh, who is very humorous. And I will say about Gene's guy, I didn't catch it. I know they've digitally removed it now, um, which, yes, as funny enough as people talking about patching video games after release, TV shows get their own little patches, too. And movies get their own little patches, too. So that's a Gene's guy. Yeah. Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. You know, it, and they did something with cats because of how they looked. They did they redid something with cats, and I hate. Uh, I love cats as animals. I hate cats the musical. I absolutely hate <laughs> it. Can't stand it. Uh, but anyways, this was just a really good episode uh, of kind of giving us more story points of what's going on with Gideon. What is Gideon's true purpose? Um, and and uh, just giving us characters that, you know, reintroducing characters and giving us another story. And also this one being directed by Carl Weathers. It was mm-hmm. very, very well done by Carl. So, uh, Leslie, your thoughts. 
Um, I had read people's reviews saying that they felt like this was the a New Hope episode four sort, of, and and it's also episode four of the Mandalorian, kind of taking that we got to get in here, we got to destroy this thing, get out, sort of a just kind of for them, which I I kind of agree with, and I think it's I like it. Like to me, this is not. I feel like it's a bad thing to say it's a cute episode, but I'm like it's a kind of cute happy episode i'm like yeah and grogu has some cute stuff going on and like his hands in the air when they when they're flying in the ship (laughs) yeah and they they have their this just nice familiar mission of breaking into a stormtrooper base and blowing it up and getting out and it's all just kind of like ah star wars and just makes like it's classic like it feels good that i mean that's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't really have anything else to add. We're, I mean, we're, we're paid Disney shills. That's what we are. <laughs> I mean, those were all very good points. I mean. So how do you feel about Gene's guy? <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that um, watching this episode, I, I did think that there was a possibility of this being like a force sensitive army mm. at, at the time. Right. Obviously. Um, I. I kind of like that they went with droids. Yeah, same here. Um, but at the same time, going forward, I don't know if we're going to see more of those. Or Yeah, I, I would probably lean towards maybe not um, because I think it was maybe a, a Gideon initiative. Like he was the only person of the remnant that um, that had these things like he was the only one that perfected them by removing the human component and everything. Although I would have thought it would have been very interesting. I know we're jumping a little bit ahead of ourselves, but uh, if they had stripped everything but the brain, like if there was still that was the one thing to differentiate themselves from just Cybermen. Yeah, yeah, basically, you know, like having something that was well, you even have in the old EU, the uh, and. It's good. I, I know I'm going to say Boromir like Boromir from Lord of the Rings, but that's oh, the way I've always read it in my head. The monks from Jabba's palace, they were brains in jars that was part of their like religion and ascendance that they would remove their brain and put them in these jars and basically put them on these spider bots. So when you watch Return of the Jedi and you see that like little spider bot with a thing in the in a jar, that's what those are. And like that kind of idea would make more sense to me. Like these are, they're derived of, or, you know, they're devoid of all human emotion, but tactical, like these are the top tactical soldiers in the empire that they've stripped everything, but that tactician side to them to make them more dangerous. Cause when you're putting them in as a droid, well, that makes them no different than the droids from clone wars, you know, or just old star Wars. Like anyone can make a very powerful droid. You have to have something more distinguished about them that makes them more of a threat. Now, as we saw later on, they are very dangerous, but I, I, that's just one little thing. Like I wouldn't have made them complete droids. Um, all right, so now the episode that I think we're all excited to talk about. Chapter 13, The Jedi. So, oh, Leslie, this one's you. Take it. <laughs> so 
if if you haven't heard before, Ahsoka is my all-time favorite Star Wars character, period. Like, and I will admit to being one of the people who totally resented her character in the when she showed up in that Clone Wars movie I, I at too. the beginning. <laughs> Didn't like her at all. Was completely in love with her by the end of season five. And she has quickly, you know, taken that number one top spot, and nobody has been able to dethrone her yet, although Mando's close second. <laughs> But um, I absolutely loved everything about this episode. I definitely felt like we're going to get Ahsoka, but I thought, oh, they're going to hold it out to the end. He's not going to give her to us until like the last minute. And to have her just right on screen, like right there, I was like, oh, thank you, Dave. (laughs) It was just so exciting to get that. That was the thing that um, that like had totally cut me like caught me off guard was. Uh, well, for well, you get the title later, but like as soon as you've got the guys like kind of running in the forest and they're like, oh, you know, she's coming, she's coming or something like that. And then you see the the white blades and you're like, yes, wait, what? Like we're yeah, getting like we're this getting right from the start. And yes. and then you get that that title card, the Jedi. and You're like, oh, man, um, I know you and I probably don't agree a whole lot, but I know you have an issue with the Leku. Um, that it's a little too short. Yeah, and, and well, I 100%, you know, hand to God, it's a nitpick on my part. Yeah. I absolutely admit that. It's completely a nitpick on my part. And I absolutely completely understand that they went through a bunch of different styles, different ways trying to do the headpiece for her so that she can do the stunts safely. I get it. I admit all of it, you know, like there's no, there's no argument for me. It's just that I'm kind of like, eh, about the headpiece. Other than that, everything's great. I like the, I liked her lightsabers, the way they looked. I liked the sort of kind of the, the samurai sort of more look that she had with her outfit. I like the the way they did her facial um, marking, like all of it. Yeah. And I just have that little tic-tac-sized nitpick about the headpiece. And I have to give you credit on that because, like, you're at least someone that I know that I've seen that acknowledges that it's it's a it's a personal thing that you have but that you can still kind of get past it because I saw a lot of people talking online and comment sections and stuff like that who they could they, – they were losing their minds over it. And it's like you yeah. couldn't talk any sense into them. You couldn't go, okay, from a technical aspect, like – the actress who played Shock T, even though we didn't get to see her in Revenge of the Sith, but if you go back to the deleted scenes and see her, like, even though she didn't even do a whole lot of, like, heavy moving or acting in that, she talked about how heavy and cumbersome that headpiece was. And so it's like, you got to look at this, like, Ahsoka's moving a fairly quick mover. And that was another complaint I saw. It's like, she didn't move the way she moved in Clone Wars, and that's a problem. And it's like, Okay, it's animation. I think that's the difference between <laughs> animation and live action. Right. Honestly. Uh, she wasn't able to jump 40 feet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, and so it's like, it's one of these things where it's like, okay, you got to understand, like, uh, you know, yeah, they like mo-capped um, uh, Ray Park for the, the final fight with her in season seven of Clone Wars. But like you, they still were probably able to do some extra things that like even Ray Park can't do himself. Mm-hmm. It's just that's that's just how it is. It, it's like you just can't let that get back from you. And 
I think one thing that really impressed me because I know you and I are both a fan of Ashley doing the voice for her, mm-hmm. and I and I was one too. Like when when Clone Wars came out and everything, I was not an Ahsoka fan at, at the beginning. I found her yeah. very abrasive and annoying, but that was also kind of like the point is like yeah. someone to counterbalance Anakin in this way, like. Anakin kind of being rather dire and not as like dire and serious. Well, more dire than Obi-Wan, but like a little less serious than Obi-Wan. But then seeing some of himself in her and like coming to terms with that and leveling out like, okay, we can have a little bit of fun, but still take certain things seriously. So she is one who definitely really grew on me. And I mean, I know that there were a whole lot of people who wanted Ashley to do this, but Ashley's primarily voice acting. So it's not like you can easily translate. It's different when someone goes from live action to voice acting Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they've had that experience. Um, And the most that they could have done was ADR Ashley. But then, like, why would you go as far as getting someone like Rosario Dawson to play that role if you're going to ADR her? But I was very pleased with Rosario's performance because her voice kind of matched an older Ahsoka. Like, it wasn't very far off from what Ashley did. Like, yeah, you're going to pick difference, but it felt like a mature Ahsoka. So I was very, very pleased with her overall performance. Um, I liked kind of the, again, a reference to Tython, which is old EU and old Republic video games. Um, being kind of the one of the early homes of the Jedi Order um, and, you know, give it filling us in on more information because we have all assumed Grogu can't communicate because uh, he's still a child. So it's just the child, you know, noises, but they can reach, you know, on a tele- almost a telepathic level and we fill in. OK, now we know his name's Grogu, which Love it or hate it, it's it's his name. I know some people don't really like it. It's taken some getting used to for me. I don't mind it that much. Um, but then yeah, I don't really care either way. But we find out he was there. He was at the temple yeah. when Order sixty six happened. We don't know who got him out, um, which is going to be great potential like storylines for later introducing some of these other characters or bringing other characters into the mix because. Like, was it maybe Anakin didn't let him go because maybe there was one part of Anakin that, like, still respected Yoda enough that, like, he couldn't kill Grogu? Or was it, you know, someone like Cal Kestis maybe sneaking him off? I I wouldn't think, having played Fallen Order, I wouldn't assume that because Cal pretty much thinks he's, well, actually wouldn't have been Cal because Cal's on a ship when Order 66 is executed. Uh, So he's not even on Coruscant. Um, but you know, another Jedi that somehow managed to also escape order 66. And, you know, I have a, just a personal little fan thing of like who I would like to see. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know that it would happen, but, um, I believe his name is Sanube, master Sanube, who's the old Jedi master when Ahsoka loses her lightsaber. Yes. And he, we see him towards the in the ending seasons, um, training all the younglings. I, I, I don't know. There's just something to me that, like, I feel like it would be really sweet if it was him, the old master, saving a little child well, and getting was, him out of there somehow. There's even like theories, because uh, like Star Wars theory, he does who does great work. Like, I love some of his. I don't watch all of his videos, but like his his Vader fan film is fantastic, and I can't wait till he gets Episode Two done. Um, but 
He he has a theory that maybe it was even Palpatine himself. Like Palpatine, because we know that Palpatine's kind of a, I'm going to cover all my bases. Mm-hmm. I know Yoda's a very powerful force user. Here's a child of his species, uh, which then it's like also who, who, you know, fathered or sired this child. Cause like we have Yaddle in episode one, like we're Yoda and Yaddle having a secret relationship. I mean, cause we just don't know enough about Yoda's species that we, we just, it's, it's interesting stuff to explore in later on stories. Um, but I, I liked the HK, uh, Hunter droids. Cause like, that's again, a reference to some of the old EU and, and video games, um, I liked Michael Bean being kind of the right hand man to um, to the the ruler, and uh, that ruler being played by like uh, Bruce Lee's uh, uh, goddaughter, which is kind of cool because I, sh- when she's doing that fighting with the staff, like that's that's her doing those stunts because that's how she was mm-hmm. raised and stuff. And that whole final fight is just really good. And then we get the big drop. Where's Thrawn? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Yeah, uh, Pat, I've been talking enough. You haven't said much on this episode, so. Um, I mean, you get the staff introduced. Yeah, which plays a big, big part big in the role. final episode. Um, you you get that cool little standoff where like they're just kind of sitting there yeah. watching each other while they hear the fighting off in the distance. And then he's like, I guess you guess your side one. And he goes to lay down that rifle and you know, he's immediately going to go for that blaster. Mando's like, yeah, bye. And, <laughs> and it's just like one of those things where like, they keep going back to this being like a Western show. Yeah. <laughs> like, almost. Well, and that's, and that's kind of how Lucas envisioned it. If you go back to just even a new hope, uh, there are, and even uh, Attack of the Clones with him uh, when Anakin goes back to Tatooine. Uh, you have um, references to the Searchers and, and all these other classic Westerns. It's it's part of like what he kind of mm-hmm. wanted to put into it. So it, it's great. Yeah, and, and it works. Yes. Like, that's the best part about it is, like, no matter you love or hate Westerns, like, it works for this type of show. Right, absolutely. <laughs> well, Space Westerns always, I think, you know, people are big fan of Firefly that might not actually like a, a John Wayne movie or something yeah. like that. But yeah, it, it this episode, and of course you get the, the final, um, the celebration music, uh, kind of a nod back to return of the Jedi at the end. Now here's one thing. And I know, um, I talked about this with you and Josh, uh, uh, when we went out to lunch one time, I think, or no, no, I talked about it with Josh cause you hadn't watched the episode yet. Uh, it was when we got back from lunch after we were helping, um, your family move. Um, do you think, and this is a question to both of you here, Grogu told Ahsoka, I want to stay with Din. Because at that final bit where she's like, I can't train him, you, you've gotta, he's got to go with you. When, when he's walking Grogu into the ship, because he's got his back turned to her, she does this, like, he, Grogu's looking at her, and she does this kind of smile and nod. And it's like, because we know that that's how they kind of communicate via thought. Was he telling her, I don't want to stay with you because I'm attached to him? Like, it's pure speculation. I mean, may, maybe, like, he, he wanted to, like, see this through mm-hmm. and eventually end up with some other Jedi. Right. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
it, it could have just been like he felt like his work wasn't done yet. Like okay. even, even being a small child, um, it was just kind of it's a possibility right I mean I mean we know of course like the the fact that they're doing an Ahsoka series like we're not going to bog her down by having her train the child but Leslie any any thoughts on that that you have uh, I don't know I guess I just kind of looked at it more in like a a warmth and like she, that she sees the Grogu with Mando and she can feel the affection they have for each other and kind of in that like you know, like, I, I feel that warmth, and it's a happy thing, and, you know, maybe she's just kind of like, like she had said, it's better just let his powers fade, and she's looking at them as, like, a father-son sort of a thing, and just kind of smile with that, I feel that love sort of a thing. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm, this really hyped me for the Ahsoka series. Like, I'm... Super excited because I'm I'm hoping we're gonna see like Thrawn. Uh, yeah. We don't know what's going on with Thrawn. That we'll see Ezra, Sabine. Uh, you know, it it will be great. And I think what's even kind of cool with this is that you could potentially even bring, even though he's, you know, made some marks and some waters with some fans, you could still have like Freddie Prince coming back as like a Force ghost. Uh, for Kanan. yeah, for Kanan, and you know, and to have him show up. Um, but we're gonna go ahead and move on to the next episode, which is chapter 14, and of course, the tragedy. Which so we know that this episode's not going to end well for anyone. But Pat, take us away on this one. I think that this is your turn. All right, so we finally get to see Boba Fett, yeah, <laughs> like in action. <laughs> um, and I think that the fight scenes were fantastic oh, yeah. in this. Like, Absolutely. You get Fed, you get Fennec, um, who was left for dead. Well and that's and that's uh not to interrupt you here, but like that was the great point because uh, you know, when we got to see that kind of final moment in season one with Fennec, the speculation was it was Fett or it was Gideon. And I know Star Wars Theory did the video on it. Like there was something about a noise that was playing on in the background or or how he how he was dressed because you only saw the legs really that it was fat and so it was great and it was a great way to bring back Ming because I I really felt like I wanted to see more of her in, from that episode in season one so I was great to have her come back so sorry go so, ahead oh you're good um, so you get you he goes to this Location that's supposed to be like for like more force sensitive. Tython uh, being and, the former home of the Jedi. Yeah, um, and then he brings him to the scene stone, and obviously he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, <laughs> he's like, and then you see Slave One coming in. And you're like, oh, and that's, that's, that's the point where you're just like, Fuck, this is gonna be so cool. <laughs> like, um, and obviously it was right, and. So eventually, Grogu finally is like unconscious, basically like meditating, medita- yeah, me- meditating, not able to be reached, um, which kind of sets it up for him to get abducted. Right. Um, I mean, overall, I think that this episode, once again, it's it's like they they set it up to where. They, Fett and Mando needed each other. Yeah. Um, 
and obviously without the ship, he needed a form of transportation. Right. Um, and that was that was a really good like special effect for the the explosion. Of, oh, absolutely. Of Razor Crest. Um, and I I kind of, for some reason I thought like we might have seen someone die there. Like Fennec was an expendable character. True. But obviously they didn't kill anyone off. But I thought that was maybe a possibility. Yeah, because, I mean, they could have easily just, like, been like, oh, that's it, Fett's done. Like, we just, we're going to kill him off right here and there, and then you don't have to worry about anything with Fett, which, of course, was the smart decision not to do. Um, I I just, there was, I don't, and, and this is a tight 30, like, 30-minute 30 episode. So, I mean, there is not a lot of room for them to do anything wrong, and they didn't. I mean, it was, it was tight, it was concise, it, it did its point. Uh, it had Fett don the armor, although it's a it's a little tight now. Um, <laughs> and nothing against Tamora or anything like that. It's just because I mean it's been ten years since he was you know Fett, and you age, and obviously, but I, I have a little bit of a hard time kind of balancing that out with this is like only five years after Return of the Jedi, so like Fett's been sitting back, like getting a little getting a little cozy, uh, you know, eating a little food here and there and, and not caring. But, um, you know, it, it did everything well because, like like you said, when, when Slave 1 shows up, you're like, wait a minute. Like, I didn't expect that to happen. I expected maybe, like, Gideon to show up. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, my God, we're getting Mando and Fett face-to-face. Uh, I know some people kind of don't like that they kind of now retcon because Lucas had told Filoni – Fett wasn't a true Mandalorian. And now, because of that chain code and everything, like, he is, quote-unquote, Mandalorian. I, I, I take it in the way that, like, Din became a Mandalorian because he was a family. And I take, like, because of whatever Jango's relationship with uh, Jaster or whatever his name is, uh, that's kind of the same thing. It might have happened when Jango was a little bit older, but, like, he still got into the the whole Mandalorian lifestyle on Concord Dawn and everything. So it, it's, it is what it is. I don't care because I've always seen Fett as a Mandalorian. And having read the old EU and Fett becoming the leader of Mandalore, like, that's just something that I, I never really had an issue with. I had more of an issue with him saying he wasn't Mandalorian than him being retconned back to be a Mandalorian. And I like that this... There's this thing where, you know, it's like, well, here's the deal. You help me protect the child. I'll give you your armor. Well, he kind of jumps that deal a little bit, gets the armor first, which was smart because after Razor Crest is destroyed, you know, it would have been gone. Um, But him honoring that, going, no, we haven't completed the deal. I promised you we would protect the child and get, you know, get out of here safe. I'm going to follow through with it. So, Leslie? Um, let's just say I'm still in mourning for the Razor Crest. <laughs> I liked that ship a lot um, when it wasn't destroyed and beat up and gross, you know, when it was nice and pretty and fresh and, and then it, they just blew it up. And that was when I was sitting there, I'm like, this is a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the true sad. tragedy. The child being, you know, taken and kidnapped yeah. is, is know, not a yeah. tragedy. The ship being destroyed <laughs> is the tragedy. 
I, I I watched a lot of uh, other reactors who were like freaking out and crying over the fact that the dark troopers take baby Yoda. And I don't know, because in my head, I'm like, well, this is Disney Star Wars. This isn't like Game of Thrones. They're right. not just going to shank him right there. Like, Thanks, <laughs> Have a red wedding in Star Wars. Right. I was I, I figured, obviously, <laughs> start watching the Mandalorian and the reigns of Castamere start playing. Go, oh, this isn't going to end well. <laughs> Well, I was like, obviously, they're saving the rescue of Baby Yoda for the next episode. Right. So I was not concerned about his safety at that point in time. I was definitely far more distraught over the fact that our ship that we have traveled with for like a season and a half has now just been blown up. And I was very sad. But <laughs> otherwise, everything on that was great. I was very excited that it was Tython, the planet that they were going to. I, I didn't know. I don't, I don't know. I was just expecting maybe something else cool would happen you know, being on the old home, you know, Jedi homeworld right. or something. It was hilarious that he had no idea what to do. He was like, I don't know. Are they, or do they see you if you sit there? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I also kind of like the fact that like once it's done, like Grogu is just like, yeah, I'm going to take a nap now. <laughs> well, so I think it's because like, he's a baby. Well, you know? right. like, it, he, he can't. He doesn't have enough strength to use the force. Right. We're, we're, we're given enough evidence to show like if he, you know, really puts himself into it, it really takes a toll on him. And, and you know, he's got to rest to, to kind of recoup that energy. But it's just, it's, it's just kind of funny. Cause that moment, like once the, the, the barrier comes down, he's just like, yeah, let me just lay down <laughs> here and you know, sleep. Well, and it was nice that he's uh, throwing the stormtroopers around in yes. the end there. And just like, you know, that evil little look on his face, tossing them around side to side. Yeah. Cause it, it's kind of a, a, a a bit going back to what with what Ahsoka was saying, like his attachment to Din is very dangerous because she's seen what attachment has done to Anakin, basically. Yeah. I mean, without saying Anakin's name, we know who she's referencing in that in that um, in that bit. We also get a nice little setup of for the next episode of him going and visiting Kara and, uh, you know, getting Bill Burr's uh, Mayfield uh, location. Burr. Bill, I mean, he is playing himself. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But hey, what do I know? <laughs> um, which will, they, of course, then takes us into chapter 15, The Believer. Now, I get, I think that this title, because each title obviously deals with something that is central to the episode. I'm, I'm assuming that this is talking about Mando's struggle with, do I keep the helmet on or do I take it off? Because does it mean I'm the believer of Mandalore or Mandalorians? If I take the helmet off, does that ruin that? You know, what or what do I truly believe in? I, I don't feel like that with as well as each other title has kind of addressed each of the other episodes. I don't feel like this is the best title, but it's still a great episode. Um, I liked, again, virtually everything about this except... And, and I've had this discussion, I think, with both of you, and you both don't necessarily agree with me, because Leslie and I both said we wanted Boba's armor to be polished up. Like, we hoped that he would polish his armor up. I feel like they overdid it, and they didn't yeah. use, like, the right shade of green, um, that it's a little too well, dark versus the well, lighter green. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably... Because it's fresh paint. Yeah. I think that if it had been sun bleached, it would be the correct shade. Right. But I think it's because he like freshly did it 
but it is a little like, well, that's, that's kind of going from completely disgusting and gross to like a little too far to the other side, but it makes sense. Right. Like you would polish your armor. And I'm just glad he did. It came, like, the, the paint job came complete with the new car smell. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was definitely like a lot shy or like it just popped out yeah. of the screen. At yeah. That, and I think that that's, especially if you're watching it in 4k, like those colors are going to pop out more. And that, I think that that's ultimately like, that's really just, like you said with the with the uh, with the Leku, it's kind of just like a small nitpick. I can look past it. I, I will get used to it eventually. Um, it's just like going from what we've seen in the original, you know, trilogy, to now going to something that looks so nice that you're like, okay, this is a little off putting. But um, it really was impressive for Bill Burr. I mean, like again, he's supposed to be the comedic foil. But when he has the scene with Richard Brake's character and they're talking about Operation Cinder, which I told you was great because it's a, a it's part of the central campaign for Battlefront 2 is you taking part in Operation Cinder. Um, now, you don't see everything like you're not like you don't run into Mayfield's character in that in the game or anything. But it's great that that's, again, them still connecting video games, books, all these other things that they're doing into this overall canon and universe. But that conversation and how that conversation goes is powerful acting. I think you even said it like Ooh. you didn't know he could act. And yeah, I was like, <laughs> well, I think Burr, both how of dare you, you sir? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're like, well, because we we saw him in that episode last season, and he's just straight up comedic. Like it's not he's there to do that job, and he's just there to be somebody to bounce jokes off of. But now we've got him on an imperial base. We know he's ex-imperial. And we don't know exactly what happened in his prior life for him to leave the Empire. And now we get him confronting his old commander and what his commander did and sending people to their deaths. It's like, it's just great. And Richard Brake is such a such a great actor at playing bad guys. Like, he, he was Joe Chill in Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. He was a bad guy in Doom. You go watch 31 he's the main bad clown in that uh three from hell he's great in that like he always plays these kind of grimy disgusting characters and so it fits that he would play an imp and uh, and be that type of guy and it's just it's fantastic you get again great battle sequences great visual effects it's just great yeah, the initial like kind of chase. Yeah, oh, that that chase scene was fantastic. <laughs> um, where they're blowing up the Rydonium. Well, and and you have Mando who's in imp armor now, and he's like trying to still like, oh, I'm in my best scarf, you know, outfit. So like when they're, you know, using those staffs or whatever, and he's putting that armor up, and you see that armor shattering, and him taking those hits, and he's like, oh crap, like this, <laughs> I'm not in my best scarf. Yeah, he was getting his ass beat. Yeah, right. And and then you know kind of having that moment when the TIE fighters come out and they're shooting on the on those raiders and everything. It was just, like, really great. And, again, you get kind of that other side of the Empire that we don't normally see where you have them celebrating them as heroes because they got that stuff there. And a little bit more humanizing of of the Empire a little bit until you get Richard Brake's character and you're like, okay, they're complete trash. <laughs> Uh, Leslie, any any thoughts on this episode? No, I I think as far as just pure acting and scenes go, that scene with Bill Burr, Pedro, and um, what's his name? You Richard said Richard. Drake. 
Yeah. Yeah. Scene right there, probably my favorite as far as straight up acting was amazing. You can see how uncomfortable Din is without his helmet on, doesn't really know what to do. Bill Burr, you know, comes in, he's having like this PTSD kind of a moment, basically. Yeah. And I just that that scene is so powerful with every single one of them. That's probably acting wise favorite scene of the whole um season. Pat, you read some. Uh, just the like, the how Jin or Din is like he feels like he's caught the the moment yeah. he like takes his helmet off <laughs> right because um, like he doesn't he doesn't know how to interact with Imperials because he doesn't right he just <laughs> he kills him, basically exactly um, and then kind of uh, Mayfield uh, just kind of like saving that entire yeah. thing overcoming that kind yeah. of PTSD that he initially has and I, I do like that moment where he's like oh you have to you have to speak up louder you can't hear <laughs> look here yeah like he kind of like he he saved that until he eventually goes off the deep end right and that just the look that he gets from from Din is fantastic when he shoots him he's just like well, and, and this was also, I think, another thing um, that was that was really done well is because, um, like, he, Mayfield doesn't really have a choice in this. It's like it's either I do this and get near, years knocked off my sentence, or I stay working on this Junker Planet uh, salvaging stuff as a prisoner. And for doing everything he does coming to Din's, you know, rescue and everything in that, uh, you know, even though he gets him in that kind of tight situation, it still ultimately pays off them going, Oh yeah. Mayfield didn't make it out of there. Right. No, no, he, he, he got shot. And it's like Mayfield, like going like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Just him having that realization, like, Oh wait, I, they're letting me go. Like, he earned that freedom, and I and I hope we see him show up in later episodes. And with, with that final shot that he had on blowing up, oh yeah, the, the little base there, right? Um, all right, well that'll do it for that episode. So now we're moving into the finale, which oh boy, <laughs> uh, I, I kind of this was one where I I, I figured the title right away. Um, chapter sixteen, the rescue. Like I just. As soon as it was kind of starting, I was like, this is going to be called The Rescue. I just have a feeling. And, of course, it popped up. Um, This starts off just great. You have Pershing. You have the Lambda shuttle and them getting chased. You know, it's like it just that's like right where the episode pretty much starts. Um, I I, the only thing I kind of wish more. Oh, no, actually, I'm sorry. We get um, we get Bo. And everybody back too as well. Um, I kind of wish Ahsoka had been in this episode too, you know, to help for the rescue part. Um, but obviously, they didn't want to use her too much or or anything because they didn't know how she, how people were going to to take her. Uh, but it, it it just does a really good kind of a team. Like we're getting everybody together. We're going and we got a plan. We're going to execute the plan, and this is we're going to save Grogu. Um, and of course, Bo's in it for the dark saber. Uh, I do like her interaction with Fett, you know, because like she brings up that you're not a true Mandalorian, you're just a clone, blah 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 blah. It's really good interaction between the two of them, um, and I think that was a really good scene. Um, Leslie mentioned this because we were having a, a, a discussion of kind of about the state of entertainment and how 
certain things can be a little shoved down your throat and, and um, it's a little annoying when it's when it's shoved down your throat. The best thing to do is to be subtle about it and then you come to the realization later. I didn't have this realization until she even pointed it out to me. <laughs> you have a four-woman fire team yeah. and like it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like they were trying to shove any type of message down my throat or anything. It was just... They were. This is their part of the mission. Dan is going to do his thing. Cut off the dark troopers, and uh, while they be the distraction, and hopefully, you know, get Gideon on the bridge and everything. Um, so it it was that was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic that that I didn't feel any agenda in that in that moment. Um, yeah, it wasn't like woo girl power or anything like that. I just as they were, were moving across yeah, slay, that bridge queen. when they were shooting the uh, um, the stormtroopers across that like no handrail bridge thing, right. I suddenly realized I have f- a four woman fire team here, yeah. and it just was a oh my gosh, and I really liked that. It was great, but it wasn't like here we go, woman, 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 you know, sort of a thing. I I really liked that. I I wish um, Fett would have had more to do. Um, with this, but like, I also understand he played his part. Like he needed to do what he did to get them onto the ship. And he's got to keep the car running. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, so we get, of course, the face off between, uh, Gideon and, uh, Den. I don't think anyone thought that Gideon was just going to give him the child. I don't, you know, I, I just, just very obvious that he was going to turn on him immediately. I um, thought that maybe he had a hologram of the child sitting there and that Din was going to go pick him up and just his hands go through it and the baby was going to be somewhere else. That would have been clever. Like if they if they weren't going to do with what they did with the end, I could have seen them doing that to set up for us for season three of like him still trying to find where the child is being held. Um so, yeah, we get that great fight. We do have some weird inconsistency about ritual with the Darksaber, uh, which I'll let Leslie talk more on here in a little bit. But our big reveal, who comes to answer the call on Tython? I never really thought it was going to be Luke, um, even though like I was like everyone's speculating, oh, it's going to be Luke. Like, hey, they did the de-aging for Rise of Skywalker. You know, they can do it for this and blah, blah, blah. I thought that their best, easiest option was to get Cal because you've got that actor. He's human in the video game. You know, it's modeled after him and everything. He would have been the easiest person for them to get like, hey, we need you in for an episode. We're going to have you do this and blah, blah, blah. But we get Luke like as soon as we we see the X-Wing, I'm thinking, OK, they're going to do a bait and switch. We're going to think it's Luke's X-Wing, but it's going to be Cal or it's going to be someone else. But then once you see the green lightsaber, you see the dark hood, you see the gloved hand. You're like, OK. And I'm like, OK, they're not going to reveal his face. But they actually reveal his face. I love it and I hate it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where like I everyone talked about um Tarkin and Rogue One being weird and it not working and like I never had those issues and I didn't have the issues with Leia and Rogue One. I had issues with this. It didn't I I had a hard time convincing my mind that it was Luke and that it was Mark Hamill and that or that it was an actor that they did makeup with to make him look a lot like Mark. 
Um, it, it, it just there was some weird stuff with how the face looked. And I think it's very difficult in what they're going to do f- moving forward. This is where I don't know where season three is going to go because we have Grogu go with Luke. Rightfully so. But where does Din go now? I think we've all speculated it's probably going to deal with Mandalore and going going back there and just rediscovering it and figuring out how to put the pieces back together to become a, a tribe again. Um, but w- where does this take the child? Are they basically writing the child out of the show now? Or are we going to be seeing more of Luke? Are we going to start seeing... I mean, because I know that um, that uh, the Fisher like estate, they're not necessarily cool with them using her likeness for like major roles like they didn't have an issue with you know rise of skywalker and they didn't have and carrie was still alive with rogue one so it wasn't like that was she had passed away like right before rogue one came out so she had already given her a blessing for them to use her likeness but are we going to start seeing that like will we see some of grogu's training with leia's training with luke like it's it's going to be hard because you have to look at the cost perspective of how much will it cost for them to continue doing long sequences with him showing his face, with him talking? Can they sustain it? So overall, again, it was a great end to the season. I think Pat said it best before we started recording. If they were going to end the show, this would have been the like the best way to end it. Like they wrapped up pretty much almost everything. They've got a few leaking plot points here and there, but this felt like an end to the show. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I got to say about it. Pat, you go ahead and go next here. So I'm going to, I'm going to go back to kind of how we were talking about the, the four women firing team and how Mm -hmm. it felt natural. And, and it did. Um, I think that that just has to do with the writing style for the show. Um, it's never been about like, it's never been about that. Right. Like, and people criticized it from the first episode, how there wasn't a female character in the first episode. Yeah, there was. <laughs> but there was. Yeah. Uh, oh, also the like, boob armor. Or there, there wasn't one with a talking role. Is what but, yes, but she did, episode. too, because it was the armor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Good and, old Anita Sarkeesian. And then you get, I mean, you, the, they introduced Kara, and, like, her characters always felt, like, natural. Yes. Like, that's, they've never tried to force anything down your throat. They're, I don't think they're ever going to. Um, and just seeing how those, how they interacted on screen together was spectacular. Uh, I think one of my favorite uh, bits with, with that group was when Kara's uh, blaster jammed. And then, like, for, for, she's, they, they, they cover for a little bit, so then she starts using it as, like, a, uh, a staff and starts hitting people. But then they're in the, like, elevator, and she's, you know, cussing and everything, you know, Din, whatever, <laughs> Dan Farrick or whatever. And then they're like, do you need help? And she's like, no, I got it. And then she smacks it on the ground. And she goes, okay, it's good. And she starts shooting everybody. And just started wrecking Yeah, people. it was great. And, and, like, that's the thing. They established, well, if you know from... You know, Clone Wars, Bo is a very well-established, strong female character that, you know, we, we've grown with her throughout Clone Wars and Rebels. Finnick, like, they, granted, we've only had her for, like, three or four episodes. They've established that she's deadly, that she's got this past, that, she, you know, she's 
she's scavenged basically for her entire life to to get to survive. She's a survivor. So we have no issue with her. Sasha Banks character, we don't know enough about her, but she's with Bo, so we can always assume there. Kara, we get, you know, she was a heavy trooper in the Rebellion. She was former, you know, from Alderaan. So, like, she's got a personal vendetta. Uh, so, like, yeah, these are characters who've been well-established, well-set up, given backstories, unlike some of these characters that we might get from the sequel trilogy or from other shows. Like, when you're trying to shove things down, your like, just to force it down, like, this is a strong character, but they have no weaknesses. I'll go to to kind of cross genre or not genres, but universes star Trek discovery. Burnham is never given an interesting background. She's just always good at everything she does. Any person she comes up into a fist fight with, she always wins. There's no, no character moments where you're like, you think that, Oh my gosh, she's been broken. She's been defeated. Like she's come back from this. Whereas all these other characters that are written in, in the Mandalorian, are given good backstories, are given good motivations, or have their own flaws. So, yeah, I agree. It's completely natural, and it goes to the strength of Dave Filoni and the writers and John and mm-hmm. everyone else on that. Um, the other part, you get the the fight scene uh, between Din and the the or the droid. Yeah, the Dark Troopers. Dark Troopers. Um, and I think what they did well setting up is they're, they're droids. So when he hits the airlock, that they don't die. Right. Like, so you expect them to come back. And, I mean, he was getting his ass canceled. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that punch, like, punch oh, to, yeah. the, to the mask. Well, yeah. it was like putting a dent in the door. Yeah, yeah, because like, like, the steam starts coming out from, like, the pipe behind him. Yeah. Um, it, I think that they did a good job of showing how deadly they can be. Right. Um, and then they already they already set it up to where there's going to be a fight scene between Moff Gideon and Mando. It's just what was going to happen. Right. He has the spear. He has the dark saber. You know that it can't cut through it. Right. There's going to be a fight. Like there, it's, they weren't going to weave it. Like, to where he's just going to be like, all right, take a shot, go. That wasn't going to happen. And I think knowing that they're they're just both well-trained fighters. Yeah. um, And while Mando might not have much experience with a saber or a sword or anything, I think that it was a really well-done scene at, at that point in time. Right. Um. And then with him winning the Darksaber in battle, I'll turn it over to Leslie because I know that she's... <laughs> <laughs> um, right, yeah, so like I told Patrick before we were recording, I actually, I, I watched, I don't know, maybe seven or eight different other YouTube reactors reacting to that specific scene when he's trying to give the Darksaber to Bo and Gideon's like, she can't take it. And they all said the same thing I did. I don't understand. Sabine just gave it to her in Rebels. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what the issue is here. So I feel like maybe that's a season three thing that they're going to get into. But somehow the beef between whatever happened with the Purge and how Moff Gideon got the Darksaber from her in the first place, maybe it's not that she needs the saber, but that she needs the story of how she like fought him and defeated him 
perhaps I don't I don't know because it doesn't make any sense and they've they've proven to us that they will then fill in those holes as they did with like why can't he take his helmet off and then he meets Bo-Katan and they say he's a child of the watch so they they give us an answer that makes sense I'm wondering hoping expecting that maybe season three they're going to explain that to us somehow I I think that it's definitely going to be explained eventually they're not gonna just I I know they left it lingering because it was they they ended the show with everything relying on the reveal of Luke and they didn't Uh really explain any more of that it was just (laughs) they just let it go um and then went into the the after credit scene or mid credit scene like they so it kind of I, I wanted them to do a little bit more, but with with how they ended, I think it kind of wrapped it up nice. Yeah, yeah, even it really did. Even though they didn't really do any more with it. Well, they also kind of, like, there, there's a whole little bit of, like, rushing in that final scene while they're introducing, like, Luke. Because, like, you have Gideon shoot Bo, like, six or seven times, and... And you don't know if she's quite dead, but then, like, Leslie pointed it out to me before recording, she's standing there in her, you know, full armor and everything at the, you know, as Grogu's going out with Luke, and it's like, okay, wait, what? <laughs> like, I mean, they never go to rush over her, make sure she's all right or anything like that. It's just one of those things where I feel like they just kind of, they just rushed it a little bit, but that's all because they wanted that great reveal of Luke and have those final moments um, with Luke and or with uh, Grogu and uh, Din and having that kind of touching moment with him taking off the mask and you know Grogu touching his cheek and everything, um, but so yeah, that's we've talked about every episode. So let's talk kind of overall. How how do we feel about this season, Leslie? I, I loved it. I was a little bit worried at episode two that I was like, oh, no, they're not just going to do these little weird fillery things. But, you know, after you get through that and we get into the Jedi and the Believer um, and then into the finale, it's great. And overall, I loved the season. Um, I, I think what is really great for me is with how – upsetting or not really upsetting but with how frustrating the sequel trilogy is i think that this show does such a good job of bringing everything you love about star wars like back and yeah and <laughs> i think moving forward i i think with the the boba fett show it's i think that they're going to continue down this path of just like great writing and really like bringing everything together as far as like um, as far as the story goes and there, there's so much more that they can explore with the Ahsoka show which is bound to be fantastic w- with the team that's working on it so mm-hmm. I mean there's I'm just looking forward to like see where they're gonna take it yeah, I'm excited for for all of this going forward. I think maybe the only thing about this season that I wanted and didn't get is I wanted somebody to have a reaction to Boba, like to have that oh, this Boba Fett reaction, which you you kind of get it at the little mid credit scene at, or in credit scene 
Um, but other than that, I wanted somebody like out in a space, you know, as they're going about to like see them because they all re- react to Mando because obviously it's his show, but I wanted somebody to like see Boba and be like, it's Boba Fett and just have his like little moment. Yeah. I, um, I'm really intrigued to kind of, I think that this was a very strong season. Actually, I, I almost will even venture to say it's better than season one. And that's not to say season one was awful. I think we gave it high marks when we reviewed it. Uh, it's just that they were able to, in fact, like build more onto what they set up on that foundation. That goes to the strength of Dave and John, who need to be in charge of Star Wars. Just just saying. Hate you, Kathleen Kennedy. Um, but they they respect the characters. They respect the world. They they because they themselves are are true fans. Like I mean, Dave was George's protege when he came on to do Clone Wars. I mean, they had daily phone conversations talking about lore and stuff that we don't we're not even aware of. And I mean, we're all big Star Wars fans. Uh, it's like when Dave did that whole kind of deconstruction of the prequel trilogy in the gallery uh season one it was like it made me view the prequels in a light i had never really viewed it in before and it's just because of his love and his passion for it so i love that they were able to take what was already a strong series or a strong season and even build it up more and and improve on what they already set that base on and, and give us even more compelling stories and I expected kind of the whole Jedi search to be three, four, five seasons long. Like, I didn't think that we would kind of get what we got. Yes, it kind of leaves us in this position of, okay, where is season three going to go? But I have, now that they kind of caught that lightning in a bottle twice now, I have complete faith whatever they plan for season three is going to be strong and going to work as long as they stick true to what they've done. Um, I'm very intrigued by the book of Boba Fett, um, being announced and what this is going to mean. Uh, I think he's going to try to become the new crime warlord of Tatooine with him, you know, sitting on Jabba's throne after killing Bib Fortuna, um, with his Cardi B nails. Uh, it's just like, that was a, I wanted a little bit more out of that, that sequence, like something that felt more impactful. Um, cause like I kind of knew as once it showed the throne room and everything and you start hearing the blaster fire, it's like, okay, Bob is going to be here. But what, what true impact does this scene have other than of course, setting up the book of Boba Fett, just what does this have? What does this mean for tattooing? So it's just going to be really interesting to see how that's handled, who they have in charge of that. Cause like, obviously John and Dave can't be directing and writing every single episode of all of these other series that were announced. Uh, I would see more Dave working more on Ahsoka because that's kind of okay. his creation, his, his child uh, a little bit to see that show go in its direction, whatever it's going to go. But we got now 10, 15, 20 different star Wars, like shows, movies and stuff. And we have the higher Republic starting in January, um, exploring the, you know, the old days of the old Republic and, uh, kind of the peak of the Jedi order. So I, I think star Wars is kind of on a rebound and, 
there's mass speculation, and I know all three of us can ag- agree if it goes this way. We'll, we'll be fine with it if it happens to turn out this way, that the sequel trilogy might be wiped from canon, or at least from main continuity, that it can still exist, that they can still maybe do a show exploring Ray, Ray's future or, or Poe and Finn, uh, even though... I keep hearing mixed things. Like I heard all three of them were done with star Wars. And then now they're like, Oh no, we're going to do a Finn show. We're going to do a Ray show. And I'm like, I thought you guys were all done. Like I, and, and rightfully so. I think they each had kind of certain issues with how their characters were dealt with in that trilogy that they weren't huge fans of. Um, but if these shows manage to kind of replace that, that sequel trilogy and that kind of becomes legends eu canon since they've already done that with all the old eu i think a lot of people who were kind of soured on star wars because of the sequel trilogy might start coming back because if you put in the heart and the time that dave and john have done in just building one show one one show mind you like the only thing that's been propping up disney plus right now for a lot of people has been Mandalorian. Yes, they got great old content and stuff like that. But when you promise Disney Plus is going to have all this original content, these Marvel shows and and so on and so forth, and now we're two years into, well, a year technically, into Disney Plus, and we've only had Mando, but we've had two seasons of Mando and they've both been strong, obviously that can't be the only thing that supports it. And I think now that COVID, because COVID impacted a lot of the other program Mm -hmm. so i mean i i do understand that and with wandavision here starting next month and then a couple months after that we have falcon winter soldier then loki and all the other shows that they've announced which i think are all going to be very strong shows and and as long as they're handled well uh disney plus will become a big giant streaming service but uh it will have mandalorian and john favreau and dave filoni and Rick Fumiyama and Peyton Reed and Carl Weathers and um, Bryce Dallas Howard, all the directors who also put a lot of heart into directing these episodes. Pedro, his performance, even if there is that little rumor of him having some issues or blowing up about not getting to you know show his face a whole lot, you don't see that frustration, at least in his character. That might be in him as an actor and some of his things outside of the role, but all and and the stuff going on with, of course, Gina Carano and social media and stuff like that. None of them are letting that seep into them working on the show. Like when they're on the show and they're working and they're acting, they're putting their hearts into it. They're putting the method into it and they're turning out a good product. And I feel like how they wrote. Uh, the character arc for then I think that it might also solve some of the issues yeah. that Pedro Pascal was having on set. I know we wanted more scenes without the helmet on. I think there were two. Yeah, there were more, certainly two, more this two, season two, than last season. Maybe three. No, there's uh, two. Two. Yeah, him on uh, um, scene. Storm. Well, like two and a half. Yeah, because he he raises it up halfway when yeah, he's to, drinking. Yeah, soon. yeah. So I. And I think that that was like his main one of the main grievances that people were putting out there. I don't know what else there could be. I right? Mean, maybe there's dickheads on set. I don't know. I mean, and maybe he's the dickhead on set, <laughs> and he might might be. But I, I I like well, and that kind of 
coming across Bo and Bo explaining the difference between this sect of Mandalorians and this sect of Mandalorians has opened that up. And that's kind of the like the point of the believer episode is him going, okay, maybe I don't have to follow this creed strictly to still be a Mandalorian. Cause like, that's all that matters to him is being a Mandalorian. But if being a Mandalorian doesn't mean I have to wear my helmet all the time that I can take these leniencies, then okay. Like I can now, take it off when I'm on my ship by myself or, or with Grogu or something yeah. like that. So, and I, you see, you can see how far Din's characters come from yes. the sanctuary episode when, you know, the widow wants to like take his helmet off and he, you know, pulls her hands back down right. to now when he just whips that stormtrooper helmet off to get the, the facial scan so he can go find Grogu. Like the progression is really great. Right. And that's, and that's the thing. Like, Okay, if it's a grievance he has as an actor and he's taken it to all the right people, they've managed to at least do a convincing way of writing that into the show that's like not, okay, this actor just wants to show his face. Yeah. Like, that's kind of a problem with some of the comic book movies. Uh, I would say, like, primarily with uh, maybe Captain America or um, I think it was an issue with Green Lantern a little bit was – and it wasn't maybe it wasn't so much Ryan Reynolds on Green Lantern. It was more like Warner Brothers because it's put the face recognition. They don't want these characters in mass because how do you see that it's Ryan Reynolds if he's wearing even though it's a domino mask, uh, you know, wearing a domino mask or, uh, you know, how do you know it's Tom Holland if he doesn't take off Spider-Man's mask sometime, you know, from time to time like it's one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, we I, do I want to see Chris Evans as Captain America? Absolutely. But I want to see Captain America having his helmet on. Like, I don't want to just see Chris Evans' face all the time. Like, it worked for Winter Soldier because, like, it was, it was a natural progression of the story. But if it were the final scene of Endgame and Chris Evans is not wearing his Captain America helmet... I'd be like, man, this kind of scene sucks. Like it's, it's like, that's the point I'm watching. I'm watching this, uh, you know? So, uh, yeah, I think like part of it is maybe an actor's kind of ego and I want people to see my face, but I think also people are well enough aware of Pedro Pascal that they don't need to see his face to. And I think that this, this particular role can be challenging in the sense that, it's like it's like Tom Hardy as Bane, you know. It's like he can only act with his eyes, really. Like, uh, he, oh, you mean he can get the performance across with his voice? Yeah. But he, you're taking away the emotive uh, response of the face, like the facial responses to certain things that that can be really conveyed in acting. So if you can give me a character like Din, and he's doing such a great job acting with a helmet on for almost 18 episodes or 16 episodes. That's, that's an, a testament to their skill as an actor. Now I will like to see his face a little bit more, but I don't need it to be like every scene. He has to be showing his face. And just the, the sheer amount of like knowing how each scene's going to play out to where body language is so key. Yes. And they, they wrote it perfectly to where you get, Everything that you are supposed to feel about a scene, you get. Yes. Yeah. This also, weird side note, because it, it just came into my head. 
because everyone made the issue uh, with Disney Plus last year, and they put up the the Star Wars franchise in 4K on there for di- uh, for streaming because they can't stop making adjustments to New Hope or to any of the original trilogy or the prequel trilogy. They added the McClunky line with Greedo when shooting at Han Solo. Well, McClunky made a, a revisit in this uh, mid credit scene. Uh, I believe Bib Fortuna says McClunky right before like Fett shows up. And I'm like, okay, I want to know what McClunky means now. <laughs> I want to know what it means. Because now you're establishing that it is some type of phrase or a word. Uh, but yes, I... Honestly, if I'm if I'm going to grade, because I know we talked about the individual episodes, we didn't give individual grades for the episodes. It's kind of pointless at this point to do that. So I'm going to give a grade for the season overall. I got to land like on a four point five. I really want to give it a five, but I I don't want that to come across as me just fanboying completely about how much I enjoyed the show. Uh, there were some like you know some things that didn't work for me like episode two and some things here and there that I was like ah that needs a little bit more explaining or or you know maybe the CGI of Luke's face isn't quite as great as it should be to do that type of reveal but it, I, it was great it was a great season I'm sad it's over I'm going to be revisiting it several times before season three premieres uh, Leslie. Um, I'll shamelessly go 10 out of 10 <laughs> and oh, just blow the five <laughs> scale out of the water. <laughs> no, I, I, I probably agree with you. Maybe like 4.8 for just the, I'll give like a points, you know, for those tiny little things that, that maybe aren't as good. Um, as far as the Luke thing goes it, with Mark Hamill and CGI and versus I, like we said before, I understand why they wanted Mark here for this episode and the nostalgia factor. I really do feel though, that going forward, if they're going to do more young Luke, they need to cast an actor. Yes. Because the CGI with the face was too polished, too weird. Didn't, it had that uncanny Valley feeling to it. It felt like that you can't. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It you felt like you can't thing. keep that up. I feel like if they're going to use him more, that they can't continually keep that up because here you have the hype, you have a big nostalgia factor and just a lot of emotion that's kind of washing over issues for you as yeah. you're watching it. But going forward, they can't keep doing that. I really do feel cast an actor it has to be a person. Maybe give them a little bit of makeup, but don't do the digital makeup. And and I think they'd be good to go going forward from there. So and like like, like four point eight out of five for like the whole Moth Tarkin thing for for Rogue One. Like it worked for me because he's a stationary character. Like he's not doing any like lightsaber battles, blaster battles. He just I walk from point A to point B. I say my grand monologues, and like that's that's basically it. So it can work. And then with Leia, it was one line. That's it. When you have him in there for multiple scenes doing action scenes doing long dialogue scenes or anything like that if you're and especially you got to look also again like i said the cost you know analysis of it how much did it cost to do one scene like this versus okay if you're going to have him show up multiple times and have m- multiple uh, interactions how much is that going to cost in the long run um all right, Pat, your last one here. I'm going to refrain from a score. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um, 
I will say that final scene with Luke, and I know we've touched on it a bunch already, yeah. but you you see you see the X Wing, you see the saber, and like you're it's it's obvious. Like right. you're you're in you're into that scene at that point. Like you're either into it or you're not. Like I, I was into it. And then when the, the face reveal just kind of takes you out of it. That's the only the only thing with that final scene is it's too polished. It looks deep fakey. I, I didn't even think they I, were going to show his face. I, like, I, I mean, I almost would have even worked better if they kept the hood on and just did the uh, the voice. But then I don't know. Like at that point, at that point, would are, are, is he going to go with them? True. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, it, it, it's it's. It's dicey. It's yeah. dicey. Um, and with with a recast, I, I think recasting is gonna upset people. Personally, I I wouldn't. I it, it, if you're going to play, if you're gonna have him be a character that shows up more, yeah, that you're gonna need to. Well, and uh, I think Leslie and I both, uh, and I think Leslie's mentioned it here in this episode. Um, like everyone, I actually I don't think people would be upset with the recasting because a lot of people have already fan casted Sebastian Stan. He's mm-hmm. kind of got the body type. He's kind of got the facial structure. I mean, I kind of thought that explained why he had the short hair for Winter Soldier uh, or Falcon and Winter Soldier show. Um, although I don't mind the short hair for for the show because um, he he does kind of have that Luke quality about him, other than his hair color. Yeah, and, and I just wanna. Just real quick about fan casting is that we fan casted Rosario yeah. as Ahsoka as well. And I think that worked out really well. Yes. So maybe this is a listen to the fans moment. We fan casted Sebastian Stan. He's a proven actor. Go with him. And, and, and you, he even, already works for you. And I would even say, like, if you wanted to bring Han in, you can just go ahead, go ahead and get Alden Ehrenreich. Like, as whether you like him or not as Han, he's established as a young Han let's just go with it, you know, and then you can figure out what you want to do about Leia later. Cause I know we, we talked about this at, at work uh, pre COVID, like if they wanted to um, kind of do a show in between return of the Jedi and force awakens, exploring Luke Han and Leia in the kind of animation style of clone wars or rebels, all they need to do is get voice actors that kind of are very close. I know there's one out there that's very close to Luke anyways, uh, and there's one very close to Han, too. Uh, I don't know their names, but if you've watched the Robot Chicken Star Wars stuff, you, you've heard their voices there. That um, that might have been a way to do it. But if they're going to stick with live action, you're going to have to get people. And I think, again, fan casting might work. If, if people have kind of seen someone go, I can deal with this person being Luke, then that's kind well, of the blessing from the fans that aren't going to revolt against that casting um it's just you gotta do it right you do have to be careful about it um and i think people can jump from this glorified cameo in a sense like i don't say that to be negative about it but people can jump from that to an actual actor if we want to if we're going to show more of luke like, yeah, that, I think that's just the best way to go about it. Which I don't think they're going to go that way. I I don't think that they're going to have 
we become a character that's going to show up more. Certainly not in Mandalorian. Like, he might pop up here and there for minor scenes, maybe. Because, again, it's speculation on where is season three going to go. Are we are we done with the child? Like, is 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 he completely done with Mandalorian? Or is something going to happen that Grogu has to leave Luke and continue with Din? Like, that's... I. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I personally feel like the most likely spot that Luke is going to show up is going to be in the Ahsoka show. Yeah. Because Dave hasn't confirmed when that final scene of Rebels takes place when Ahsoka meets up with Sabine and they are going to find Ezra. So I think that the most that that is the most likely spot. Maybe they confer somehow going to find Ezra confronting Thrawn. I'm not really sure, but I feel like out of all the shows they announced, that's probably the most likely place that he's going to pop up again. Yeah. I, and I, I would, uh, I would probably agree with that too. Cause like, again, it's, it's them kind of testing the waters, I think to see, um, because like, this was what a lot of people wanted to see out of Luke in the sequel trilogy. Like they wanted, and a grant cool. granted Mark Hamill's not a spring chicken anymore. So it's not like you can, easily do that with him at the age he is now if they made this you know 10 15 years ago maybe maybe you could have gotten that out of him uh, but he's kind of still again like he's moved more out of the actual acting uh live action acting although he's done movies here and there mm-hmm. to voice acting i mean joker on batman the animated series and stuff like that so it, it's it's just you've got to find that 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 right balance and like I, like I agree with Pat. Like I don't think that they're just going to start focusing on Luke, 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 Luke. But I, th- you can't, you can't say that they're. It's not going through the back of their mind. How can we explore more stories with Han, Luke, and Leia? We were going to get a Lando show. I mean that was that was announced. So are we getting? And, and that's no one's even said yet. Is Donald Glover? I would have to think so because he's probably the only one who can do a young Lando. But they, so I saw someone pitch this, and this is how I would have handled the Han Solo movie, is you have Billy D telling stories of his past to either the girl from the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker as they're on the journey to find her family or whatever, even though they said that she's his daughter or whatever. They haven't really definitively said that is what happened there because I would have more preferred Finn having been his son because that would have made sense and tied more into the legacy of Star Wars but you you have Lando telling these stories to someone and then having Donald Glover do the main heavy acting and stuff like that and that's how I figured they would have done Solo because like it would have made sense that you have an old grizzled Han talking to someone at a cantina about the glory days of when he was young and, you know, and how he met Chewie. And then you then playing in the background glory yeah. day. <laughs> and then you and then you flash to Alden Ehrenreich and, and and the rest of the movie. Like that would have been a nice way to connect with the audience and stuff like that. Um, but I will have to say the future of Star Wars looks brighter with Favreau and Filoni. I mean, yeah, these guys and it's it's. Favreau doing what he did for Marvel. I mean, if John didn't direct Iron Man mm-hmm. and didn't throw in that Avengers, even though that was not meant to go anywhere, 
throwing in that Avengers mid in credit scene with Samuel L. Built a decades-long franchise that's been very successful for Marvel and successful for Disney. So if you let John and, and kind of Dave be his protege for the live-action stuff, because we know Dave is very strong in animation, but let Dave learn under Favreau and then have him eventually uh, succeed Favreau, Star Wars will be in good hands for decades. But you got to keep that heart and you got to keep that respect that John and Dave have right now and that they've been putting into the show. But that's all I got to say. You guys, any other final thoughts? Uh, We've been running long here, so. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm already ready for the next season. Same here. (laughs) Which IMDb is already showing as uh, Christmas, but christmas next year just a reminder to everyone christmas next year if you look at imdb pay attention it says saturday the 25th of december this year christmas is on a friday so just keep that in mind don't let it don't let it confuse you i don't know why they're announcing it now normally they they don't put when the next episode airs until like the week of but just keep that in mind. But I know we'll all be on pins and needles waiting for the next season. Leslie, any other final thoughts from you? I got live action Ahsoka and I got validation about the helmets. So I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for, for joining. It's been, you know, been a break for a while since both of you have been on. But uh, I know you've got your show coming up and we're really excited for the launch of that. And Pat, we'll have you back, uh, you know, obviously when you have some free time but i know i wanted the crew together to cover mandalorian because we're all very diehard star wars fans so thank you guys for listening we'll we'll talk to you next time if you're not following us on twitter you can follow us at critics nt cynics uh you can follow us on facebook on uh critics not cynics podcast um you can write into the podcast at critics not cynics at gmail.com um Leave us a rate and review on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use. It really helps get us out there. I'm sure this this will be a very popular episode, but uh, you know, we, we if you haven't heard any of our other content, go back there. There's a huge catalog, 90-some-odd episodes, uh, some with some really bad sound quality and some with a lot better sound quality when I upgraded equipment. But uh, all right, guys, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>